Good morning, America. Good afternoon, Eretz Yisrael. We're continuing the Shir and Chaim Aran. We're in the section called Gedulas Noiroas Hasogosoi, the great high level of achievement of Rabbeinazal Baruchnius. In this version, it's paragraph Reish Nun Beis. Rabbein in, in chapter 6 in Likud Yamran, Rabbein explains that when a person wants to come close to Hashem, and especially if a person wants to do tshuva, they need to know that they're going to be operating in two directions. They're going to be going up, and they're going to be going down. They're going to be climbing, and they're going to fall. And Rabbi Nassau, in that turn, Kutimran says that a person has to learn a lot to be able to know how to climb correctly, how to go from level to level, keep going higher and higher, and also how to deal with the falls that a person experiences. When a person feels very distant from Hashem, very low, and Rabbi Nassau quotes the Zohar Kodesh, the Zohar Kodesh uses the term Rotsoi. Rotsoi means... <coughs> when a person is running up kaviochel to Hashem. And shoiv means returning. And this is based on a pasuk in Yecheskel Anovi, where it speaks about the maloch and the angels. And the pasuk says, v'hachayos rotsoiv v'shoiv. That these angels that are called chayos, they go up and down, up and down. And Rav elaborates on this in that chapter in Likut Imran, that shir which was given on a Shabbos shuva. And Rav Nosenzal has a lot in Likute Alochis on that topic, because this is one of the most important things that a person needs to know who wants to be religious, who wants to serve Hashem. We need to know that we're not robots, and our life doesn't operate like this in a straight line. <clears throat> but rather, a person always is having ups and downs. Hashem created the world that way. Hashem created the world that there's night and day. There's darkness and light. <clears throat> and this, this is in many different shapes and forms and on many different levels. So now, Rabbi Nezal said about himself that for him, the Ratzoi doesn't take any real effort at all. That to him comes natural, comes easy to keep, keep going higher and higher, increasing the speed, increasing the intensity of serving Hashem all the time. Whereas he said that for him, the voshoiv, that's that comes difficult for him. The, the going to sleep, the eating and drinking, all of those kind of things that are in the category of voshoiv, where it's not climbing, it's not running up to Hashem, but it's the concept of coming back down, that kind of thing. To him, that that's an avoider. That takes tremendous effort because of the fact that he said he had already succeeded in breaking all of his physical, materialistic desires. All of that was <coughs> finished. And therefore, the rotsoi, the running up to Hashem, that comes natural to him. The neshama, what the neshama wants to do, comes natural to him. The neshama just wants more and more ruchnius. <clears throat> but the vashoiv, that takes effort and concentration. And, and the fact is that everybody needs the Voshoiv. Even the greatest tzaddik must have the Voshoiv. Because if not, if a person just keeps going up and not coming back down, the person dies. The person's neshama leaves them. The person will pass away <clears throat> before the right time. So therefore, everyone has to have this Rotsoiv Voshoiv. But again, people are on different levels. There are people who enjoy learning Torah. They enjoy going to shul and davening. And, and, and for them, it's an effort when they have to stop learning, when they have to stop davening. And there are other people for whom it's the opposite. We need to know that both are necessary. And we need to know that no two people are on the same level regarding this. Every single person is different. I remember hearing once from my Rebbe Rav Rosenfels, that I believe the words Ratzoi Voshoiv is bigematria batoira, that this is all in the Torah, in observance of the Torah and mitzvahs, there is this rotzei vashoi. There are certain mitzvahs 
that involve a person climbing, going up higher and higher. And there are certain mitzvahs that require coming down in a sense. We have the example that we learned about recently in the Torah about Notov and Avihu. Notov and Avihu were the older sons of Arnakoyen, who were major, major tzaddikim. When the Torah speaks about them, the Torah refers to them as, Hashem refers to them as Bikroivai, those who are very close to me. And yet the Torah tells us that they attempted to offer Ktoiris in the Mishkan, and they weren't qualified to do it, and they, they got killed in the process. They died in the process. They had only fire came out and took their Neshamas. The question is, what was missing? The Torah, Hashem calls them the Kroivai, they're close to me. So what quality were they missing that because of that, they weren't qualified to bring the Torahs? There are a number of answers given. One of the major answers that's given in the Zohar Kodesh is they weren't married. They weren't married. Person would say, that's a qualification for, for Ruchnius? It seems usually many people, especially Bachrim, who are learning in Yeshiva, if they're learning really, really well in those years when they're 17, 18, you tell them you have to get married. Oh, shucks. That means I'm not going to be able to be learning full time. I'm not going to be able to be spending all my time in the Beis Medrash. Yes, it's true. In most cases, that is the case. That getting married is going to involve other responsibilities, which are going to take a person out of the Beis Medrash for hours. <laughs> however, however, we're told that without that, a person cannot reach the heights and cannot, cannot approach the real heights in Kedusha. For example, if a person wants to study Kabbalah, the secrets of Torah, one of the requirements <laughs> in order for a person to be able to get <clears throat> the right benefits from this study is to be married, to be married. And here in the case of Notov and Aviyu, in order to be able to offer the Torahs, which is the holiest of all the Karbonais on a certain level, had to be married. What is getting married? Getting married means going down. Going down in what way? <clears throat> because on a on Alpi Kabbalah, according to Kabbalah, and in a general way, the man represents Chesed, the woman represents Gevura. The man represents the sun, the woman represents the moon. So on a general level, it's assumed that the man is higher, the woman is lower. Even though the Zohar Kodesh tells us there's a concept of Eishas Chayel Ateres Bala, that the woman can be a moving target. She can be below the husband, and she can be the crown on his head. She can even go above. But the default, the norm is that she's on a lower level, and it's extremely important for him to be willing to go down, to meet her, and to be able to elevate her, to bring her up. And because Nodav and Aviyu wanted, they wanted to be close to Hashem, they wanted, they wanted pure Kedusha, and they didn't realize that it's not possible to get the real high Kedusha without that connection, without connecting the connection that comes through marriage, the connection that comes through the avoida of Voshoi, this Voshoi. Any questions, please? Yeah, what's going down about a husband and wife being married? Question, what's going down about a husband and wife being married? We mentioned a lot of responsibilities to get an apartment, to a person, a bachar is living by his parents. If he wants, everything is taken care of for him. He has a roof over his head, his bed is made, his clothing is washed. He doesn't have to worry about bringing parnosa, his expenses are being paid. <clears throat> Once a person gets married, usually... There's all kinds of responsibilities. Well, even just speaking with a wife, spending a certain amount of time during a day talking to a wife. And usually a wife is not a chavrusa in the sense that they're going to be talking only Torah. They have to talk about other things. That's all a concept of going down in order to be able to go up, in order to really be able to go up. The next paragraph, Reishnon <clears throat> Gimel. Rabbein Azal said, any time that any of my students or followers want to do something for me, or they want to do something that I have instructed them to do, there are all kinds of obstacles 
that try to get in the way to block the person from being able to accomplish it. Because there are many, many forces of the sitrachra, of the opposition, that try to mess up and, and not allow a person to accomplish something that's related to me, Rabbi Nezal said. <clears throat> Why? Because when a person does accomplish something that Rabbi Nezal said we should do, or something for Rabbi Nezal, then there are many, many worlds that benefit from it. It affects many different spiritual worlds. And these worlds are waiting for a person to accomplish something that Rabbi Nezal wanted us to accomplish. We'll give examples in a minute. <clears throat> and therefore, the opposition, the Sitrachra, stands and tries to do everything in its power to block a person that the person should not be able to accomplish something that Rabbi Nezal wanted us to. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nezal said, this even relates to small things, no matter what it is. If it's something that's for me, there's going to be all kinds of obstacles. An example that Rabbi Nezal himself gave, not here, is the Tikkun HaKloli. Tikkun HaKloli is something that's relatively easy. It takes 10 minutes, 12 minutes, and it's reciting Tehillim. Most Jews have nothing against saying Tehillim. Most Jews say Tehillim. But the fact that Rabbi Nezal reveal this special formula, these 10 chapters in this order, Rabbi Nezal said at the time that even though this is relatively an easy thing, you're going to see that there are many, many people that are going to, have, that they're going to find reasons not to do it, not to say it. Because Rabbi Nezal said so, because Rabbi Nezal said to do this, <clears throat> right away the Sitrachra knows about this, and will try to do all kinds, find, people find all kinds of ways to avoid accomplishing it. Another example is Hispoidus, speaking Tashem in your own words, which Rabbi Nezal said you could do at any time, any location, and no matter how you're feeling, when you're feeling good and happy, speak Tashem from a place of happiness. When you're feeling down, tell Hashem your problems. So it's not like you can only focus on a certain kind of conversation. It's all always available, anything. You would think it's like the easiest thing in the world. But because Rabbi Nezal is the one who told us to do this, <clears throat> right away we need to know to expect Menias, all kinds of opposition and obstacles to prevent a person from doing it. And if we don't know about it, when a person, when a person isn't ready for something, if somebody's going to punch you in the stomach and you're not ready, <clears throat> that punch is going to have a devastating effect. But if you're told, listen, I'm going I'm to punch you, prepare yourself. And the person tightens their stomach, usually it won't hurt that much. Or a doctor's about to put a needle to insert a, uh, a uh, intravenous needle into the arm. And the nurse says, it's going to hurt for a second. The person didn't expect it and it happens. The person, ouch! The person expected it and they prepared. Nothing, no big deal. The fact that Rabbi Nezal is telling us this is for us to be aware of this that when a person sees these obstacles, to know that it does, it's not a sign that I'm not worthy. There are people that say, maybe it means that I'm not worthy of doing it. It's, it's because this is important and because the tzaddik said to do it, the satan here knows that and will try to block it. It's interesting that this explains why when Rabbi Nezal first revealed to Rabbi Nezal the topic of Hispoidus, this was when Rab Zal, shortly after Rab Zal met Rab Zal, <clears throat> and Rab Zal started pouring out his heart and telling Rab Zal all the difficulties that were going on in his life at the time. So it says that Rab Zal gave him specific advice regarding each one of the issues he brought up. And then afterwards, Rab Zal said, and it's also, he put his hand around Rab Zal's shoulder, and he said, and it's also very good if a person pours out his heart to Hashem as you would to a best friend. And the question is, what kind of also, what kind of also, this is the most important thing in Avodah Hashem. Why did Rabbi Nezal present it like that, as if it's an afterthought? <clears throat> and the answer is, <clears throat> this I heard from my Rebbe, Rabbi Nezal, that Rabbi Nezal knew that whenever he's talking, the Satan is listening also. And if he were to say, this is the most important thing in your life, the Sultan would hear that 
and say, oh, now I know exactly what to do. And therefore, Rabbein Zal presented it in such a way that if you're smart, if you're Reb Nosenzal, Reb Nosenzal heard this and he got the message, he got the hint, and he understood that just because it's being presented that way doesn't mean this is an afterthought. This is everything. And, and this concept of paying close attention, very close attention, when a tzaddik speaks sometimes, because there are times that the tzaddik knows he's not allowed to reveal certain things openly, because if he would, there'd be such difficult obstacles that the person couldn't overcome him. So he presents it, either he says it in a completely hint form, or he says it in such a way, matter-of-factly. And if the person is machshiv, if the person considers important anything he hears from a tzaddik, the person will take it seriously and, and get the full benefit. Any questions? The next paragraph, Reishman Dalid, Rav Nosenzal says, I heard it told over in the name of Rav Nosenzal that he said that there's going to come a time when people are going to say, wow, you knew Rabbi Nachman? You, or you saw, you were in his house? Or you knew one of his followers? And it's going to be something amazing to people <clears throat> that a person was zoichet to know Rabbi Nezal. And not just that, but even someone who knew any of his students will be considered a tremendous chiddish, meaning that there'll come a time when he'll be recognized, people will recognize that this was really an incredible person, a tremendous chiddish, and anyone who was zoichet to get to know him, <clears throat> very special. It's interesting. On a, on, a, on a far, far lower level, not to compare, and yes, to compare in a certain way. I know my Rebbe's, Rav Rosenfeld, Rav Michal Zichrein Avrocha, Rav Yechayim, these people of the, from the previous generation, who during their lifetime, there were people, there were some people that had more respect, less respect, but they, they didn't have that much recognition. And years later, I meet people and people tell me, you knew this person, you knew this person, or I meet people who know that I, I was privileged to spend time with Rabbi Michal to drive him. And they look at me, you were the one who drove, you were the one who saw him every day, that kind of thing. There's a, there's a famous quote in Klal Yisrael, there are three parshias in the Torah that follow one after another. Achare Mois, then comes Kedoshim, then comes Emor in Chumash Vayikra. And there's, a, there's a, a joke, and it's not a joke, that says, Achrei Mois, after a tzaddik or a Talmud Chacham passes away, Kedoshim Emoir, they say, wow, he was holy, he was a real holy person. But during his lifetime, usually, usually they don't receive that recognition. And in fact, <clears throat> in fact, Rabbein Azal spoke about this, and Rabbein Azal, that the main test of Emunas Tzadikim and Emunas Achamim is during the lifetime, during the lifetime. Afterwards, we're going to see Rabbi Nezal, I believe we're going to have it shortly. Rabbi Nezal says about the Arizal, that the Arizal during his life, I'm sorry, Rabbi Nezal says, in Alokis, that the Arizal during his lifetime, there was major opposition. And a person would say, what do you mean? He wasn't Breslov? He wasn't the Chassid? Who, who would oppose him? And the answer is anyone, anyone who made such a difference in Klal Yisrael, had opposition. Moshe Rabbeinu, we just read Parshas Koirach, Parshas Shlach, major opposition. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi had to run for his life, had to hide out for 13 years because someone wasn't careful enough and said something, word that got back to the Roman government that caused, that put out a contract on Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi that wanted to see him dead. Now, Rav Nosenzal adds also, I also heard it said over in the name of Rav Nosenzal, that he said that he will learn Torah, he's going to learn with the Shiva Royim, with Avram, Yitzchok, Yaakov, Moshe, and Yosef, David. And in some Chaim Arans, it doesn't say, it just said that he will learn, etc. It doesn't say with whom. But in other editions, it says that he said that he's going, he's going to learn with the Shiva Royim. And, and there's a footnote that if you take a look in one of the letters 
that the Baal Shem Tov wrote, the Baal Shem Tov says there that Moshiach will learn Torah with the Shivaroyim, together with the Shivaroyim. Exactly, the Yushpizen, as they're known as the Yushpizen, exactly. Just a moment, just a moment. There's another footnote here <clears throat> that Rabbi Nezal said that he is a Bechina of Moshiach. He is an aspect of Moshiach. Not that he is Moshiach, he's a Bechina of Moshiach, just that unfortunately the generation is not worthy of the Geula. And that's why he's not able to take on that role. This again is one of those statements that does not appear in all versions of Chaim Aran. In some of them it does. The next paragraph, Reish Nun Hei, there's a chapter in the Kutimran, chapter 79, where Rabbein Zal quotes <coughs> the Pasuk, where Moshe Rabbeinu said, Umate Eloikim Biyodi, I have the stick of Hashem in my hand. This stick, this famous stick, which Moshe Rabbeinu used to perform the miracles in Mitzrayim, the Makois, and splitting the Red Sea. Rabbi Nezal explains over there, based on the Zohar Kodesh, that this stick also represents the chief angel in Shomayim. That's mentioned several times in the Gemara, and especially in the Zohar Kodesh, other Svarim. There's an angel called Matat. <coughs> we don't say the full name. The full name is Mem Testes Reish Vav Nun. We're not allowed to pronounce the whole name of this Malach. And this angel, is associated with Bechira. There's a lot, a lot to say. We're not going to go into the full detail about this, but just a little bit. The Zohar HaKadosh tells us that in Shomayim, there are different yeshivas. There's the yeshiva of, of Basio Basparoi. There's the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva. <clears throat> different yeshivas in Shomayim where Torah is being learned. The Arizal speaks about this, and the Arizal says that when he went to sleep, he was given a special pass that he was allowed, he was at an open invitation to all the different yeshivas in Shamayim. So two of the yeshivas that are discussed is there's a yeshiva that's called the Mesifta Derekia, and then there's the Mesifta Elah. The Mesifta Elah is called the yeshiva of Hashem himself, Kaviochel, the upper, uppermost yeshiva. The Mesifta Derekia is called the yeshiva, the heavenly yeshiva. What is Rakia? Rakia is multicolored. Heaven, the heavens, the skies are blue. The skies are sometimes reddish, different colors. This represents the concept of the Malach Memtes, which, which corresponds to Mish Mishnah, the limit of Mishnah, which is kosher, posel, tome, tohor, osur, mutter, meaning it's a combination of right and left. It's diverse. And it's brought that in the Masifta de Rakia, there are debates, there is discussion. In the Masifti law, there's no discussion. Everything is pure, just pure statements of a fact, that type of thing. So this Malach represents the concept of Bechira, the concept of choices, Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, etc., etc. So Rabbein is also, and, and this term Mate also represents this angel, this Malach, who's called the Malach Memtes. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, meaning that I succeeded in conquering my Bechira completely. When, when I say I have, I, I have this in my hand, that means I achieved full control over this. That Moshe Rabbeinu achieved complete control over his Bechira and that he can swing, he can move the stick any way he wants. Rabbein Azal, after he said this Torah Mikut Imran, he was walking back and forth and he was holding a stick in his hand and he said this posiku matei implying also that he was zoichet to conquer his Bechira completely. The next paragraph is actually a line, Reish Nunvav, 
And this was turned into a song recently. <clears throat> Rav Zal says, I heard in the city of Lipovitz that Rav Zal said, Ani ish pele v'nishmosi hu pele godol. I am a wondrous person and my neshama is very wondrous. Now remember this term pele is discussed throughout the Zohar Kodesh, throughout Rabbeinu Zal's forum, <clears throat> that the term pele, wondrous, represents, refers to the keser. <clears throat> There's a pasuk in, in Yechestan Ovi where it says, in that which is wondrous to you, that which is way above you, you're not allowed to delve into. And this term pele is the letters aleph and elef, a thousand, which refers to the highest levels. Rabbi Nassau said that I am Ishpele and my neshama is Pele Godol. And again, Rabbi Nassau is telling us this in order for us to take him seriously, to know that when Rabbi Nassau says to do something or not to do something, to understand how serious this is. We just, in Chutzler, it's yesterday, we read Parshas Koirach, and Koirach said, Ki kol kulam kedushin. All Jews are holy. He was saying this to play down the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Akoyan. Of course, Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Akoyan are holy Jews. So is everybody. Everybody is holy. And therefore, I can question, I can question, I can challenge any decision that Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu appointed someone. Who says he knew who to, who, maybe he did it for personal reasons. Maybe it was family, you know, that, that kind of thing, a family thing. Instead of realizing that everything Moshe Rabbeinu said and did was purely rotsa in Hashem without any personal interest at all whatsoever. So here it's extremely important, and this is one of the esoides of Yiddishkeit, to know that all, all true, there's a pasuk, the Amech Kulam Tzadikim. And Rabbeinu Zal said, every person who has a bris milah is in the category of tzaddik. But there's baby tzaddiks, and there's beginner tzaddiks, and there are intermediate tzaddiks, and there are advanced tzaddiks, and there's tzaddikim amitim, which is another qualifier, a true tzaddik, and then there's tzaddik ho'emes, the tzaddik ho'emes. There's levels and levels and levels, and it's extremely important for a person to know that in terms of the how, how much effort a person makes to come close to a tzaddik and, and to recognize the differences among tzaddikim. We know in the story of Rav Zal's life that Rav Zal was raised in a very religious family. <clears throat> His father was a Talmud Chacham, very knowledgeable, the whole family very religious. At the age of 13, he married the daughter of one of the greatest Rabbonim at that time in Eastern Europe, or maybe throughout the whole Europe, Reb David Tzvi, they called him the great Reb David Tzvi. And he took Reb Zal because Reb Zal himself was so great at Talmud Chacham, and he saw tremendous potential, and he had such a wonderful family background, everything, everything. And this Reb Zal, after he got married, was learning for a few years, so he advanced more and more. And then he met a chassid, and, and Rav Zal had been raised and taught that Hasidim are wrong. Their whole path in Yiddishkeit is wrong, extremely wrong, stay far away from them. And Rav Zal debated with this Chassid, his Chavrusa, for months until he came to the realization that there's some truth to what his Chavrusa is saying, that there are certain aspects of Yiddishkeit where the Hasidim have an advantage when it comes to Torah, when it comes to tefillah, when it comes to the mitzvahs that pertain to the heart. And then Rav Zal began a search for six years, going to many of the, the greatest of the Hasidim, the tzaddikim among the Hasidim at that time, and each time spending quality time by them and seeing their greatness, seeing how each one of these tzaddikim was very, very great. And the final one was Rav Leviyitz of Bardichev, who Rav himself referred to as the Pe'er Hador, the beauty of the generation. And yet Rav Zal felt that his search wasn't over. He continued searching. After he spent a lot of time by Rav Leviyitz of Bardichev, he felt that this tzaddik helped him, but not enough. He needed more. It was more. 
and he searched further until he found Rabbein Azal. And when he found Rabbein Azal, that's when he felt this is the final, this is the last stop. And, and those years that he spent with Rabbein Azal, those eight years, we see Rav Nosenzal climbing and climbing. And then after Rabbein Azal passed away, we see Rav Nosenzal taking everything that he got and taking it to a whole other level, a whole new level of, of writing his sforim, the Likutei Tfilois, the Likutei Alochais, the other sforim, and, and using what he got from his Rebbe to, to guarantee, to ensure that Breslov would remain alive and well hundreds of years later, hundreds of years after Rabbein Azal passed away, Breslov is growing by the day, by the minute, in terms of people coming close to Hashem on all levels. Any questions? So there's, there's levels involved in Madrigal's involvement where a person is at and even where a tzaddik is at. Is there a way to objectively identify those levels? The, the answer is it's not a matter of objectively. A person needs to learn a lot of Torah in order to be able to recognize who is a tzaddik and who isn't, number one, and to be able to understand the differences between tzaddikim and besides learning, a person has to pray very, very hard because we are in an oilam hasheker. And the Gemara speaks about this. The Gemara speaks about tzvuim, people who, who present themselves as if they are tz- real people when they're not real, when they're false, has v'shon. And, and as we get closer to the coming of Moshiach, the test becomes more and more difficult. The darkness becomes stronger. And it becomes more and more difficult to be able to see where is the tzaddik, where where is and who is the tzaddik, you know that kind of thing. So, um, so Rabbi Nizal, um, has the potential to be Mashiach. We have the by the Mashiach of Correct. And this is something that's written about other tzaddikim also, that in each generation there are tzaddikim who have the potential to be able to be Mashiach. But very often it's dependent on the generation being worthy. And also, um, it's not that Muslims are not only came from a background of religion, but um, and, uh, Europeans, but also the Gashmans, correct? Correct. Rav Nosenzal had the advantage, not just of coming from such a religious family, but also a highly respected family, wealthy where he was able to devote himself full-time to learning Torah without any... So any I, so uh, give up um, being with uh, Why do you want to convert to they, they, I wouldn't use the word convert to Hasidus <clears throat> because he came to a realization that in addition, that a person learning in Koilel, who's learning Torah, Halacha, and Gemara, that there's other aspects of Yiddishkeit, such as the Tefillah, and also the limit of secrets of Torah, which, which without which a person's Yiddishkeit is not complete. The Chidor, who is one of the highly respected Poiskim and Mikubolim, the Chidor writes, Reb Chaim Yosef Dovda Zuloi, he writes, he quotes a Posuk, Altihiu Kisus Kithered Einhoven. Don't be like a horse, like a dumb mule, a mule that doesn't understand. And he says that this Pasuk is hinting to people who choose to leave out 25% of Torah, 25% of Yiddishkeit. They focus only on Pshat, Remez, and Drush. And they choose, they find different excuses to say, we don't learn Soid. We don't, we're not allowed to, we're not supposed to. All kinds of excuses to cut away this branch of Torah without which a person's Yiddishkeit is not complete. But that, but you also see, um, well, from, well, uh, uh, obviously, real uh, the real literatures, right? Ones who are pre- who are known and praised that they that they can learn for a te- uh, for a twelve hour seder, who also have been a find uh, and kinds of thing and um, question about people. We see people <clears throat> non Hasidim who are able to learn Torah for twelve hours consistently, long periods of hours. The Torah says, the, the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avais, that Torah alone doesn't define success in Yiddishkeit. It's what a person does with the Torah that they learn. 
if they're able to use it to perform mitzvahs and meisim toivim, and if they're able to use it to be able to daven the right way, that their tefillah <coughs> should be a, a tefillah b'shleimus. And these are parts, this is where Rabbi Zal saw a difference. He recognized the difference <coughs> that the true Hasidim, the true Hasidim, we're not talking about Hasidim, <coughs> who define Hasidus as people who daven after Zman Kriyashma, Chas V'Shalom, or things like that. The true Hasidim, he saw that they had an advantage in this area, in these areas of the mitzvahs that are shy to the heart. But, uh... so, there's also a question in the chat. Here, okay. Didn't open the chat. Just a moment, we'll open it. If it was regarding the previous paragraph, you might have to scroll up a little bit. Question in the chat, is this time supposed to come only when Mashiach comes, when the whole world will recognize what a privilege it was to be Rabbi Nezal's follower? <coughs> the answer is that that's when we'll see it in the fullest sense. But we see even today, those that, that have their eyes open have seen in the past 50 years, a major change in the world. That whereas 50 years ago, if a person said they were a breast lover, or if they mentioned the word Uman, either no one ever heard of it, or if they did hear of it, it had negative connotations. And recently, recently, times have changed dramatically, where in many cases, I would even say possibly most cases, there's a respect. Person says, wow, you are an Uman, you know, and people look at it with a feeling of respect. They know that it's not a joke, that it's something very special. <clears throat> and when people hear that somebody learns Likute Maran or something like that, also, it's given much greater respect than it was 50 years ago. Although we're still not there. There are still places where, where they don't yet recognize the, the specialness and the goodness of Rabbeinu Zal and his teachings. <clears throat> the next paragraph, Reishnun Zayin, <clears throat> Rabbi Nezal said that I have a level, I possess a level of recognition of Hashem <clears throat> that if I would want, I would be able to bring about the coming of Moshiach by, by connecting to that incredible high level of recognition of Hashem. However, I put it aside and I applied myself to being Makarev you, to bringing you, my students, close to Hashem. <clears throat> because that's more important than everything. As the Zohar Kodesh says, the famous quote from the Zohar Kodesh in Parshas Truma, Zako Mandaochid Biyoda Dechayova, Ashrei to the person who takes hold of the hand of a Russia and brings him close. <clears throat> I remember hearing from my Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld, that in the Haggadah on Pesach, it speaks there about it says that there are four sons that the Torah speaks about. One is a Chacham, then is a Rasha, then is a Tam, and then is There's the Chacham, the Rasha, the Tam is the simple one, and Shani the Elishal is one who doesn't yet know what to ask, like a Balchuva. And the Arizal asks a question, and others ask this question. It seems out of order. <clears throat> it would seem that the right order should be the Chacham on top, and the Russia should be on bottom, all the way at the end. Why did he put the Russia next to the Chacham? And the answer was that a Chacham who doesn't have a Russia next to him isn't a, isn't a real Chacham that the real definition of Chacham is one who is qualified and able to take the Russia and bring him close. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the ultimate Chacham, one aspect of his Chachma is he was able to take the greatest idol worshiper in the world. He was able to take Yisroi and bring him close to Hashem. 
he was able to take the Jews when they were at minus 49, the lowest level of Tum and Mitzrayim, and be able to elevate them, lift them up, and bring them to Har Sinai. And that's when Rabbi Nezal says, Rabbi Nezal reprimanded us in a strong way, and he said, how much effort, how much work did I put into you? How many times was my throat completely parched and dry from all the speeches, everything I said to you, each and every one of you individually? And now, what did I accomplish? <clears throat> what did I accomplish? Even though, Baruch Hashem, you're religious, but not, not the way I wanted. Rabbi Nezal once made a comment to Talmidim that I wanted you to be like lions roaring in the, in the jungles. I wanted your tefillah to be like that, like a, a lion, the, the roar of a lion. And he wanted, he wanted us to become Sadikim Gemurim. He wanted to make Sadikim Gurim out of us. And Rabbi Nezal said, how in the world am I going to come before the Kisei Kovoid when I leave this world? And then he added, but I console myself with the few people that I was to, to bring close to Hashem who are no longer in this world, who have passed away already. Those people, <clears throat> they, I know, I'm sure of them. I'm sure that they made it. <clears throat> Whereas those that are still living in this world are always in danger every minute of chas falling away. And Rabbi Nezal said, I heard this also from Rabbi Nezal himself, that those who passed away already, them he knows for sure, they're his people. The Talmidim of Rabbi Nezal, who had already passed away at that time, who are no longer living. It doesn't mention by name, they were those that... The, <coughs> because those that are alive, are still in major danger every moment of their life, from falling, whereas those that passed away, those I can be sure of. We know that the Degel Machne Ephraim, who was a nephew of the Baal Shem Tov, <clears throat> one of the famous things that he told us is that he was once sitting on his uncle's on his uncle's lap, on the Baal Shem Tov's lap, and the Baal Shem Tov was in a room with all of his Talmidim, and the Baal Shem Tov said, "There's a person in this room who says Torah, loimi pi malach." He says Torah, that, not that he received from an angel, or a, but Torah that he heard directly from Hashem himself. And that person is in danger every second of his life of falling into the Nukva de of falling into the lowest, lowest places. This the Baal Shem was saying about himself. Could you imagine, could you imagine how that applies to us? that each and every one of us needs to know, Rav Nosson Zal writes in Likut HaLochas, that we make in, in Mayrev, we say, Kikel Shoimreinu Umatzileinu, and we make Shoimer Amo Yisrael the person needs to know that in this world, we need Shmira, we need protection all the time, Baruchnius and Begashmius. Begashmius, the Gemara says, Kol Hadrochem Becheska Sakono, all roads are dangerous. We know a person goes out on a trip, they say tefillah saderech. And we know, unfortunately, nowadays with cars and trains and planes and electric bikes and motorcycles and those things, unfortunately, we hear every day, every day of accidents and all kinds of results from these accidents. That's begashmius. Halachas kama vekama beruchnius. The danger, the Gemara says in Brochus, that we don't see, a person is walking the street who doesn't see that there's on his right and on his left, there's all kinds of malachim, and many of them are destructive angels that want to try to cause a person to trip and fall every which way possible. Why are we being told this? To know that there's what to be mispowered for, to know that we're, we are in a sakona, every moment of our lives we're in a sakona, and a person needs to beg Hashem for Shmira, for protection. And a person needs to run to the, to the Miklat, to the protective area, which is the base Medrash, the place where a person's, the Tevas Noyach, as it's called, Noah's Ark, that Rabbein Azal said, especially we spoke about the future, that there's going to be a mabul, there's going to be a flood of apikursis in the world. <clears throat> what do you do when there's a mabul? You have to find the Ark, Noah's Ark, the Teva. 
and be able to go inside there and be protected there. The word teva means ark, and the word teva means word. The words of Torah, the words of tefillah, that's the shmirah, that's the protection. We know we say in Tikkun HaKloli, in the second chapter of Tikkun HaKloli, <clears throat> we say there, al that this is what every chosid davens to Hashem, when he finds, when he finds the tzaddik, when he finds a connection to Hashem, what does he, he daven for? That that tsunami, that flood shouldn't hit me. Hashem protect me because I know, I know that there are waves. I know that I'm in the sea and there are waves. And there are waves that can knock me over in a second. The Gemara says there were Tanoim, Amoiroim, who thought they felt a level of confidence at one time, at one point in time, and they said, Gira the Sitna, I spit in uh, an, an arrow in the eye of the Satan. And the Gemara says, a minute later, the Satan set up a scenario where they almost fell, and he said, Don't play with me, don't tease me. You should know the only reason why I'm not throwing you off a cliff is because Hashem said you're a good guy, that I shouldn't destroy you. But if I wanted to, I could. If this is what Sadiqim are saying, we need to know not to be overconfident that we need Shmira all the time. And the Shmira is Torah and Tefillah and Mitzvah is and Meisen Toivin. Any questions? Um, yeah. A question. Didn't we just learn in a paragraph before that Rabbi Nezal said that the generation was unworthy for him to, 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 to bring Moshiach, implying that he couldn't do it. And now here he's saying that he could do it through Hasavos. The answer is it's not a contradiction at all. There's multiple things going on at the same time. <clears throat> and here again, Rabbi Nezal was telling us that there are different ways to bring about the Geula. There are different ways to hit a home run. One way is through Hasogos, when a tzaddik, the, the, one of the very well-known commentaries on the Zohar Kodesh, the Kisei Melech, writes that a person who learns secrets of Torah for 30 minutes, it's like a month of learning Gemara Rashi Toisvis. So there's different levels of concentrate when a person needs to get rid of stains sometimes. A person, an ordinary stain, you use a, a, a certain powerful cleaning powder. A much stronger stain, you need a much, you need bleach, you need a much more powerful stain remover. Lahavdil, there are different levels in Torah and Avodah Hashem. Rabbi Nezal wanted us to know that there's a level of Hasoga Salakus, there's a level of depth in Torah, which if a tzaddik focuses on that, that, that can create a million volts or a billion volts that could, that could bring about the coming of Moshiach. And Rabbi Nezal said, I have that choice. I have that, the ability to do that. But I know that there's something that Hashem wants more than that. There's something better than that, which is bringing people close to Hashem. People that are involved in fundraising know that sometimes a person comes to a very wealthy person and the person needs a large amount. The person needs a, a building or something like that that requires a million dollars. And this wealthy person can write a check for a million dollars and it won't change his lifestyle. But the person says, I don't want to do that. I'll give you a quarter of a million dollars. I take the whole thing from my, I want other people to be included. That Sadiqim know that if they wanted to, they could force the coming of Moshiach through their goodness alone. But they know that that's not what Hashem wants. Hashem wants that everybody should be included. Hashem wants everybody to have a chilek in it. Everybody who's willing to, to cooperate. Everyone who's willing to join. And therefore the tzaddik chooses not to go that route, even though he's learning. He's reaching very great hasogos, but he'll let go of that to a degree in order to devote time and effort <clears throat> and energy to bringing people close to Hashem which he knows is the greatest Nachas Tashem. Rabbi Nezal writes about this in several places in Likud Imran, that that's the greatest, greatest Kiddush Hashem and Kvoyit Shamayim is when somebody who's far from Hashem comes close to Hashem.
paragraph Reishnon Hay, <clears throat> Rabbein Azar once said, I thought it was my Sahara telling me that there's nobody who's qualified to teach and bring the youth close to Hashem to lead them like myself. I thought it was my Sahara telling me that. But now I realize, <clears throat> and it's become very clear to me, that I am a unique leader of the generation. That there's no one who's qualified, who has the same ability as me in leading the Bnei Nurim, in leading the youth. Interesting, this, the, the way that this is being presented, that Rabbein Azal saw it, I thought it was coming from my Eight Sahara, <clears throat> and then I realized it wasn't. I had something like this with my Rebbe, Reb Michal Dorfman, <clears throat> he had major hardships during his life. He went through a lot of tremendous difficulties. Number one, most of his friends left the Soviet Union in the 1930s, 1920s and 30s, and earlier they were able to get out. And he wasn't. He remained in Soviet Russia under communist rule till 1967. Another 30 years, 40 years, after just about all of his friends had left. And he spent six years and seven months in Siberia. And, 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 and suffered extreme poverty in, in, during the time he was living in the Soviet Union. And finally got out. <clears throat> and the first they only let him and his wife out. They didn't let his children out. And, and he still left. <clears throat> and gradually, eventually, his three daughters ended up getting out of the Soviet Union. And two of them were doctors. One of two of his daughters were doctors. The third one worked in the Ministry of Health. They were all educated, quality people. And a short while after he came to Eretz Yisrael, his, his oldest daughter became ill and she passed away. Loyalena, we should never, ever know the pain of a parent who loses a child, a parent who has to bury a child, Rahman al-Islam. And... and <clears throat> Then a second daughter, many years later, a second daughter got cancer and ended up passing away during his lifetime. And then his wife passed away. A lot of struck, and, and in some ways, all of that didn't compare to the pain that he felt sometimes in seeing things going on that troubled him, that he felt that certain things going on in the religious world <clears throat> that needed major improvement or correction. And at one point, after all of this had happened, we were riding in the car, and he said to me that something occurred to me recently, and I'm not sure if it's coming from my Sahara or my Toiv. What is it? He said, I started thinking of maybe taking a little bit of vodka in the morning with my breakfast as a perk, as something as a pick-me-up. <clears throat> I, I, I used to shop there many times, and he used to like people that come from Russia they like a piece of herring, a piece of spice. He would like to he, he would buy a, a thing of herring and take a small piece together with vegetables in the morning with his breakfast as a perk. <clears throat> and he said this with all seriousness that he wasn't sure where this is coming from. And I listened. A day or two later, he said he's been thinking about this and he decided he's gonna, he's gonna ask a doctor. He wants to hear what a doctor has to say about this. For a person of his age, at this point, he was maybe in his 80s, for sure, <clears throat> his age and all of his physical conditions. A day or two after that, he told me that he spoke to a doctor, and the doctor told him, not only isn't this a problem, but this would be very good with based on his health, based on his blood circle, everything, this would be a very good thing. And he told me he did research, and he found out among the vodkas, <clears throat> there's something called absolute which is a pure type of vodka. He said, here's money. I want you to buy me a bottle of Absolute. And he said, a bottle like this will last me six months or four months. There's no chance that I'm going to take a second cup or something like that. I'll use a little cup and uh, I'll have it. But to see how a person of this caliber, a thought came into his mind of doing a certain thing and his intentions were obviously pure. This wasn't taiva sachila. This wasn't, he wasn't looking to get high. This was something to, to bring a, a little old perk. And yet he wasn't sure, is it coming from a good place or a bad place? 
and he, he thought about it. He was nispalil, obviously, and then thought, I want to hear what a doctor has to say also. His opinion also has a certain place in making this decision. And, and then went ahead and did it. And for the next few years, every six months or so, he would say, running low, get me another bottle. <clears throat> and again, to, to see only a drop was used, you know, that's what he needed, not, not more. We know Rabbein Azal speaks about mili deshtusa, and, and, and that a person here again, Rabbein Azal himself, he said for him, the rotsoi wasn't an avoider, the shoiv was an avoider. <clears throat> we need to know who we are. And there are many people, I just had a case recently like this, of a young man <clears throat> who from the age of 13 years old was involved in drugs, all kinds of drugs, and all kinds of difficult, terrible things from 13 to 18, five years of, of incredible, incredible struggles and everything. And I met this person about nine months ago, and his father was about to put him into a rehab place with men, women, non-Jews, all kinds of people. And the father asked me if I would speak to him. <clears throat> and I said, yeah, sure. And we had like a 45 minute discussion. And then I said to him afterwards, I want you to call me every day. I want you to call me every single day to talk. He said, I call you tomorrow. I said, yes, this was 11 o'clock. Yeah, tomorrow, start tomorrow. For seven months or so, this person called every single day. And the person, I'd say percentage-wise, 97% ups, 3% downs. 97% of the time got up in the morning to go to shul, went to mikvah before davening, started davening the Sikhin some days, all, all kinds of tremendous, a lot of good. But once, once, once in three, four weeks, there was a little bit of a fall and right away jumped back on. <clears throat> and this person used to like to exercise. There were certain things he did for recreation. And I spoke to the person several times throughout this and he was learning, he had a chavrusa and another chavrusa and learn. And I spoke to him a few times about looking for a parnasa, looking for something to do as a livelihood, because the Mishnah says, that one in a thousand people maybe is qualified to be learning full time and to devote himself totally to Avodah Hashem. The other 999, if they try to do that, and it's above their level, they're not going to be able to maintain it. And a personal fall has to be shown. And unfortunately, this is what happened. After seven months of every single day, for, at one point, a certain test came up, didn't pass the test, and went south, went south in a major, major way. And, and un understanding that we see that even by Rabbeinazal, Rabbeinazal, when he saw a, a certain thing, he questioned, is this coming from my Yetzirah or my Yetzirah? We know that in our tefillah, we say, Vohoser soton milfoneinu meacharenu. We ask Hashem, Hashem, please remove the satan that's in front of me and in back of me. When you front and back, there's a satan that's in front of me that when I want to come close to Hashem, there's pushback. He's pushing me back and saying, no, I don't want you to daven in the first minion. I want you to daven in the second minion. I don't want you to learn three hours, learn one hour. It's enough. There's that satan. And then there's another satan who's standing behind the person saying, you want to come close to Hashem? I'll help you. Run. Don't, don't walk. Run. Because he knows that this person at that point isn't qualified to be running like that. And if he runs, he's going to fall. And if he falls, he might not be able to pick himself up. So we need to know, especially for people on our level, to know that Rabbi Nezal spoke. The, the Gemara says, Pa'amim bitul shaltera person needs to know that we need sleep, we need food, we need recreation sometimes, each person, <clears throat> and the right combination is, is a winning combination. And chas v'shon, any miscalculation, we had this in Parshish Koirach. Koirach came to Moshe Rabbeinu, <clears throat> Koirach says Koirach was a pikeach, he was a lady, he was a kodosh, he was on a very high madrega, the Zohar Kodesh says, and he came to Moshe Rabbeinu with a talis that was all tcheles, there are people today that wear tcheles in their tzitzis, one little string. Koira came with, and he dressed the 250 rabbonim that were with him. 
in Talesim of Tchelis. He was a rich guy. He was able to afford it. And he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, does this require tzitzis? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, yes, definitely. And he started laughing, laughing. What kind of ridiculous, illogical thing is that? If a person has a beggar, a regular beggar of, of wool or something, one string of tchelis is enough to kosher it. If the entire beggar is tchelis, of course. And then another question, a room full of sfarim, does it require a mezuzah? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, definitely yes. And again, laughing. Look how, look how he doesn't know what he's talking about. Imagine the mezuzah is to remind you about Hashem. That little mezuzah that has Shema Yisrael is a reminder. If I have a room that's wall-to-wall sfarim, I need a reminder? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, yes. And these are all examples of his not realizing that it's only the true tzaddikim that know what's too little, what's too much, and what's just right. And if you change, if you go off the path in either direction, it results in catastrophe. We should be to come close to the true tzaddikim and to appreciate the fact that we have Rabbi Nezal teaching us and guiding us to serve Hashem the right way and to be to see the Gula Any questions before we close? Just a quick question. I would like to know of all this farm. The Rabbeinu wrote, what's a good safer to get people excited and interested? Like Sipur Maises, I mean, we, I, I, my intention is to give a shear in a Litvak shul where people are uh, not exactly, uh, you know, booking a ticket to Uman. And I'd like to maybe, uh, maybe the Rav could come. I don't know. Uh, just just quickly, what's a good safer? It depends, it depends on the person and it depends on the crowd very, very important to recognize that. One of the great rabbis that I had the privilege of coming close to, Reb Nachman Burstein, Zechon of Rocha, and, and many other Breslov Rabbonim, very often when they had to speak to a group of people that are non-Breslov, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't have a Breslov safer in front of them. They would start with a Gemara, a Medrash, something else, something that everybody could relate to and, and not feel that they're being introduced to something that they have no, nothing to, they never had anything to do with it, that kind of thing, in order for people to see, to be able to relate, to be able to connect, and use that to lead into things from Rabbi Nassau, that kind of thing. There are people who want to hear about tefillah, there are people who have an atiyah, they'd love to, to be able to daven better or to learn about tefillah, for them, is a great safer. There are people today, especially today, who are suffering from lack of happiness, lack of simcha. And for them, <clears throat> there are the chapters in Likud Imran that speak about simcha. You need to know generally each person or the crowd that you're dealing with what to use. There are certain sforum that are more of a general type. There's the, the book Crossing the Narrow Bridge, for example, that came out recently, the English version, the Hebrew version, which is an excellent selection of maybe 20 different topics to hear Rabbi Nezal's insights on these topics. For some people, that's a very good way to introduce them to these teachings. Before these later forum came out, I remember 50 years ago, my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, when somebody was showed, expressed an interest in Breslov, usually he would tell them, to start from Sichoi Saran, Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, which is much easier than Likutim Aran, and it's a way of a person getting their feet wet, in a sense. But even there, it's, it's very, very good to know who you're dealing with and, and to try to pinpoint what that person could relate to easiest, you know, to, to give them a healthy start. Wishing everybody a wonderful week. Uh, today is one of the days, I believe, of the site of the massacre that took place in Uman, the 30,000 Sadiqim who refused to bow to a cross and died al-Kiddush Hashem. And, and that was one of the main reasons that we know of why Rabbi Nezal chose to be buried specifically in that place among these 30,000 Kiddushim. Sfusam Yogan Oleinu Kol Yisrael. Their merit should be a, a schus for us and for all of Kal Yisrael. Thank you, Rabbi Nassim. That, that, that this Malach 
I'm sorry? We're off? We're off? Yes, it's not recording anymore. Yeah. That that uh, this mal it's brought that Kaviochel during the six days of the week, Hashem allows this malach sort of to run the world under Hashem's control. Because the six days of the week, Sunday is Chesed, Monday is Gvura, Tuesday is Chesed. This malach is a combination of of right and left, right and left. And and therefore he represents this concept of Bechira. What's from the book you Ah, very good question. This is one of the first things I heard from Rev Rosenfeld. The Arizal says that when you mention the name of a malach, you're calling that malach, and the malach comes. And if you're not qualified, if you don't have any good reason why you're inviting that malach, or if you're not on a madrega to do it, person can be harmed in the process. The, o- the only names you're allowed to, those names which were given, Michoel, Gavriel, Refoel, those names, which have become names of Yidin, that you're allowed to say. But all the Malachim whose names are not popular names of Yidin, you're not allowed to say the name of the Malachim. Is it true that there are names of Malachim that can be said by daytime and not by night? I didn't hear of that. I, I never heard of that. I don't know. But I, this I heard from Rosman, and I saw I saw it in the Arizal that Reb Chaim Vital writes that my Rebbe told me, you know, not to mention the names of Malachim except these Malachim whose names are given to, to Jewish kids. There are many names in the Mahzorim, you know, for Yom yeah. Yeah, It's in most of the it says, don't say it. Just look at it, don't say it. But it's like they're indifferent. Ex- exactly. Malachim, exactly. 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 It's a pleasure having you. Sometimes I give a shear and nobody asks questions and I wonder, who am I talking to? There's nobody there. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful.